the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. Hello, and welcome to In the Word, a ministry of Calvary Chapel of Orlando. We hope that God speaks to you today as we continue our study, verse by verse, chapter by chapter, with Senior Pastor Will Ramirez in the book of Luke chapter 24. Then he said unto them, O fools, and slow of heart to believe all that the prophets have spoken. Ought not Christ to have suffered these things and to enter into his glory? I would say that most of us would tell Jesus he has very bad bedside manner. Seriously. They've already confessed we're grieving. Why are we sad? It's raw, man. It's still raw. And how does Jesus reply? Oh, it's all right. No, he goes, dummy heads? Not exactly that. There's two reasons that Jesus rebukes them. Number one, he calls them fools. The reason he rebukes them is because he rejected his words. The word fool here means someone who is unwilling to use their mental faculties in order to understand something. It's not that you can't understand it. It's not that you don't have the capability to understand it. It's that you won't take the time to understand it. This was not a complicated issue. Jesus had said time and time again, hey, we're going to Jerusalem. The Son of Man's going to be betrayed, handed over to, to sinful men. They're going to beat him, mock him. They're going to take him to, hold him, take him into the hands of the Gentiles, and he's going to be killed. And he's going to rise the third day. Not new information for them. They were willingly choosing not to believe those words. They rejected them. This word, though, is even stronger than just not willing to use your mental faculties. Vincent, the great linguist, he said, it indicates a folly which is the outgrowth of a moral defect. It's an unwillingness to do this because there's a, you have a moral flaw, a moral flaw, unbelief. See, they were unwilling to put the proper weight on Jesus' words that Jesus' words deserved. And instead, they put more weight on what could be seen. Now, you might be thinking, going, that sounds like a good idea to me. That doesn't sound foolish. You know, why should I believe in something I can't see? But that's common sense. Why should I put my trust in something I can't see? Because when something proves itself to be trustworthy, you don't need to see it. And can I suggest to you that we live our entire lives that way, except when it comes to God? Seriously. I got in a mobile death trap this morning. I have no clue how the thing operates, literally. I mean, I know the wheels on the bus go round and round, but I have no clue all the details and all the parts, how they work, all right? I have decided to take this mobile death machine onto the most dangerous highway in all of the United States. I did that this morning. Why would I do an insane thing like that? Because... The car, the vehicle, the motor vehicle has proven over time that it is very reliable in these situations, that it will respond correctly to me when I use all of its gadgets. So that even though I'm on a dangerous road, it has construction everywhere and crazy people on it. I know that when I hit the brakes, it, it will probably stop, that the wheel will get me where I, you know what I'm saying? It, it, it feels like a safe venture because the vehicle is trustworthy. Another is, I hate flying, all right? Absolutely hate flying. Because I am 
fully aware as I'm sitting in, strapped in, required by law to strap in this very tiny space that just below where my feet are is nothing. (laughs) Nothing. That if you remove everything that's surrounding me, I will plummet. If you're flying, God bless you. Anytime soon. But I hate it because I'm very aware of that. I have a very clear mental image of it. But I do it. Why? Because the airplane has proven over time to be trustworthy. That generally speaking, these things arrive at their destinations, get their passengers there safely, and you do what you need to do. I have no clue what is in toothpaste. All I know is I take a concoction from... A container that I really don't even know what's inside of it. I don't examine it well before I open it. I squeeze it onto this thing and then put it in my mouth. I don't know what's in body wash. I don't know what's in shampoo. All I know is that if I don't use it, I will lose friends. (laughs) And thus far, both the toothpaste and the other toiletries have proven successful over time. That when I use them, it's good, and when I don't, it's not. So I don't need to know all the inner workings of every little detail of, of everything to trust something. I don't need to be able to see. You say, yeah, well, Pastor, well, that's fine, but there are people who develop these things who do know all the details of this, and they do see. Funny how that works, isn't it? That God gave us all of this that he designed and developed for us to see so that we can go, hey, this whole universe thing works pretty well. Think about it just for a minute. We are on a chunk of rock that is moving throughout space (laughs) at at a speed you never want to travel around a flaming fireball (laughs) that if it gets any closer, any farther away by just a small smidgen, we all die. If you were to sell that to me and say, would you like to go on this trip? I'm going to go, I'm going to, I'm going to pass. <laughs> but we do it. Why? Well, it just kind of works. Whoever designed it appears to know what he's doing. So why do we make it different with God? Let me ask you a question about these disciples. What reason do they have not to believe that what Jesus predicted would come true? Had he ever lied to him? I mean, what about everything else he said? What did he say to us? Said he'd be, he'd be betrayed. Yeah, that happened. Uh, he, he'd be arrested. That happened too. He'd be mocked. That happened. He was beaten. He was turned over to sinful men. He was handed over to the Gentiles. He was not just dead, but crucified. A guy who would never have qualified for a crucifixion sentence was crucified. So far, everything Jesus said came 100% true. What reason do they have to believe that the very last point that he'll rise from the dead, won't. Had Jesus ever lied to them before? You say, well, yeah, Pastor Will, but I mean, up to that point, it's something we could see naturally happening. Rising from the dead is a miracle. (laughs) Had they never seen any of those? Had they never seen Jesus do any of those? Have you never seen Jesus do any of those? I have. To reject what Jesus said to them about his resurrection is both a mental and a moral failure on their part. It's a willingness to not do the most reasonable thing. Foolish indeed. 
But that's not their only failure. Jesus rebukes them because they rejected his words, but he also rebukes them because they rejected the rest of God's words, the prophets. And he says, O fools, and slow of heart to believe all that the prophets have spoken. The word believe means to regard something as worthy of trust. They were slow of heart to regard the prophets as worthy of trust. They weren't slow of ears. They'd heard the scriptures about the Messiah's suffering their entire lives. Their failure was that like with Jesus' words, they didn't believe the prophets' words were worthy to be trusted. They had never taken them to heart and thought, well, what do we do about that? The prophet said Messiah would suffer. What do we do about that? We don't grab around and think about that. We're, we're going to think about all the parts that says Messiah's going to reign. He's going to reign and rule and restore Israel. That's what we want to think about. How could have they prepared better? Or how about asking the question, since I believe Jesus is the Messiah, all my hopes there, how should I prepare for his suffering? And if they were to ask that question, they would say, well, let's look at what the scriptures say about it and act accordingly. Verse 26, ought not Christ to have suffered these things? Was it not necessary for Christ to suffer these things and to enter into his glory? You should have prepared for my suffering by recognizing that's part of the plan and therefore that I couldn't suffer an end, but I'd have to rise from the dead because I'm going to reign. They could have reminded themselves that he had to do both. And the only way that would be possible is if Jesus came back from the dead. So you know what? That's what I'm going to look for. Because he can't die and stay dead and reign. So I'm going to look for Jesus to be alive again somehow. I don't know how, but I'm going to look for that. So these are two serious failures, ignoring Jesus and ignoring the rest of God's prophets. (laughs) It's kind of difficult to claim to be a believer if that's your practical theology, isn't it? Like, how do you claim to be an... Yeah, I'm a Christian. I ignore Jesus and everything else that God says. I mean, it's kind of hard to put the two together, right? That's an oxymoron. So, I mean, this is why Jesus hits them so bluntly. You might be saying, Pastor, well, that's... Kind of describes my life a lot. I, I do ignore the Lord a lot. I ignore his word. I ignore Jesus. And I do my own thing a lot. Well, here's the good news. Jesus doesn't just rebuke them and, and then leave. He doesn't go, yeah, now we're at Emmaus. I'm, yeah, I'm going to leave you guys here. I'm going on to the next town, losers. He doesn't do that. He doesn't leave because they're off track. He teaches them so they can get back on track. Look at verse 27. And beginning at Moses and all the prophets, he expounded unto them in all the scriptures the things concerning himself. There is an untranslated word that means from out of that precedes the word all the prophets. Beginning at Moses and then from out of each one of the prophets, he expounded. Again, it's in the imperfect. He he doesn't do this the entire evening, but while they're traveling, he explains thoroughly. That's what expound means. He explained thoroughly from out of every one of the prophets, starting at Moses, all the things, every single scripture that talked about him. I don't know about you, but I want want a copy of that Bible study. Like, forget my prophecy updates. I want that one. There are over 300 prophecies that, that we've found that we understand that talk about Jesus in the Old Testament. This must have been the coolest Old Testament prophecy lecture ever given. Before I move further, I need to point out that when Jesus wanted to educate people on God's word, that's how he did it from start to finish. That's how he did it. I'm not 
saying a topical sermon or a practical exhortation is evil. We invite people to come in, talk about creation, talk about marriage, talk about, you know, maybe share their testimony, give you an exhortation from their testimony. We invite people to do that all the time. I do that sometimes. Jesus did too. But the primary role of a pastor is to expound the scripture from start to finish. That's the primary role of a pastor. Not to be a motivational speaker, not to be an entertainer, but to teach people God's word from start to finish. Genesis to Revelation. That's, that's the job. Anybody here ever heard of like something called the five-fold ministry? Most of us have probably heard of it. Entire churches are based on this concept, and it's unbiblical. There are not five ministries listed there. Yeah, apostle, prophet, evangelist, and then the last one, some Bibles say pastors and teachers, but literally it's all one concept. Pastor, teacher. If you are a pastor who doesn't teach the word, you're not a pastor. <laughs> you're not a pastor. You're something else. I'm not saying you're bad, but you're not a pastor. And our churches, they don't need more of whatever that is. They need more shepherd teachers. I remember Bev day, she came to me. She was all flustered and she goes, showed me a picture and had this guy and he's all decked out, hipster kind of apparel and he's got the cool clear glasses on and he's got the spiked up hair and whatever and he's got the cool vibe. I mean, I'm doing it right now. He's got the cool, the cool stance while he talks, you know, and everything. And she brought me this picture of this guy and she goes, I'll give you one guess only about what profession this guy has. I looked at her and I go, he's a pastor because those are the only people that dress like that and look like that and only in the U.S., where did this idea that being a pastor means you got to be a celebrity come from? Or you got you to be this guy who's the mover and shaker that makes things happen. When God called me to be a pastor when I was 17 years old, I told him, I said, I can't be a pastor. I don't sing well enough. I'm not cool enough. Nobody likes me. I could think of other people that fit all those things. I didn't get picked for, for those roles. Why would I do that? The Lord said, I know you're not cool. Well, it's okay. But can you do this for me? Can you love people? Can you serve people? And can you teach them my word? I thought, well, I can learn to love people. <laughs> Serving takes energy. I can, I can give my time and energy. And to teach, you just got to study and seek the Lord. Well, if that's all you're asking, I can do that. The Lord said, that's good enough. I, I can't fix your life. Nobody who's going to be here as a pastor of Calvary Chapel Orlando is, is going to solve the world's problems. That's not my job. My job is to love people, serve people, and teach them God's word from start to finish. That's my job. Now, you can, and you can tell they're loving it. You can tell it's working. You can tell it's going well because they don't want them to leave when they reach their destination. We've got to wrap this up. Look at verse 28. And they drew near into the village, whither they went, and he made as though he was going to go, he, he would have gone further. I love this because the word there, made as though, it means to pretend. I, my commentary is they all flip out about that. Like, well, Jesus wouldn't pretend because that's lying. And I'm like, or that's being deceptive. And I'm like, come on, guys. And I'm like, get out of your own theological heads here, all right? I lie to my wife all the time. What do you get me for Christmas? I don't know, but I can't wait till you see it. Where are we going for vacation? I don't know. I'm not telling the truth there. You're not supposed to tell the truth every time as far as that goes. What did you get for my Christmas? Oh, no, I'm a Christian. I got to tell the truth. I got to spill the guts. I got you this. No. You know, Jesus is he's their friend. This is not some rigid situation where he's like, well, if I pretend like I'm going to keep going, that's going to be deceptive and I'm God and that'll give everybody the wrong idea. 
No. The idea here of pretending is that Jesus, he would have kept going if they didn't invite him to stay. And in this, Jesus is the consummate gentleman. Here we see his beautiful love. He doesn't force them to believe. He won't force them to desire more of the truth. He will go on to the next village, but he doesn't want to. He longs for them to invite him to stay. And you know what? They do. But they constrained him. They urged strongly, no, don't keep going. Come and stay with us. They urged, constrained him, saying, abide with us. Stay the night with us. Because it's toward the evening and the day is far spent. It's probably only, I, can't, I don't have time to go into this. It's probably only about 2 p.m. at this time. They had plenty of time to get to other villages. But they didn't want him to leave. They wanted to keep hearing what he was saying. They wanted to spend more time with him. And so he went in to tarry with them. Verse 30. And it came to pass, as he sat at meat, sat down to eat dinner with them, that he took bread, blessed it, broke it, and gave them, literally imperfect again, was in the process of handing out the bread. What are you going to see? Nail scars. And their eyes were opened, and they knew him. It's interesting. We don't have this tense in our language. We have what's called past tense, like past, present, future. They don't have a past tense in Greek. They have something called the aorist. So it's not past, it's a snapshot. So it could be past. It's frequently used that way, but it can also be present. It's not about past or present. It's just about a snapshot in time. And that's the, the tense that's used here when it says their eyes were open, that they were caused to understand. He's in the process of giving the bread, and in that snapshot moment, they understand. And they knew him. The word there, again, an interesting word. It means to identify new information with something you've previously already learned. It's not that all of a sudden they thought, oh, he's got Jesus's eyebrows. No, it's that they already saw all those things, but they couldn't get it out of their head that Jesus was dead. And when they see the scars, they knew all the words that he'd been telling them the entire way were true. And immediately, everything they knew about Jesus all came rushing back. And they knew it was him. They knew it was him. In that very moment of Jesus passing out the bread, it clicked for them. It's Jesus. And he vanished out of their sight. <laughs> I hear people say sometimes, these guys did awesome things, but like they saw the risen Lord. He were, Jesus was with them after he rose from the dead. Yeah, but not all the time. I want you to think about something for just a minute. Later this day, Jesus is going to see these two again because they go running back. They go running back, tell the disciples, and then Jesus appears. He vanished because they didn't need to stay in Emmaus. Those were their plans. They needed to cancel those plans and get on with his plan. But he sees them again. But then he goes away, disappears again. And just a few days later, Peter goes, you know what? I'm going fishing. I'm going back to my old life. Just a few days earlier, you saw the risen Lord. I think this is why Jesus vanished out of their sight. I think it's because they'd already started to hope again and seeing him for a longer period of time wasn't going to add to anything he'd already said. Like if they couldn't live on what he'd already told them along the walk, if they didn't trust that, then seeing him wasn't going to help. And I don't know about you, but when I'm in a present crisis, it doesn't matter how many times God's come through for me in the past that's not what I need at that moment. I can't go, oh, you know, the other 18,000 times I was in trouble, Jesus came through, I'm good. I need more of this. 
Like, I need to get back to this. I need firm ground here to stand on. Yeah, it's great to be able to remember how God took care of you in the past, but that's not where our faith is founded. Because if our faith is founded on that, there's no guarantee from that that he'll continue to do that. But here there is. So I believe he vanished because the job was done. How do we know? Their last words here, verse 32. And they said one to another. They didn't say, we saw Jesus alive. No. Did not our heart burn within us while he talked with us by the way and while he opened to us the scriptures? That's what they're talking about now. Not seeing him here, but the walk and everything he taught them about the scriptures. They mentioned nothing about seeing him. The, the phrase here, it's so hard to translate into English. It's an it's a imperfect verb followed by a passive present participle. And if it sounds like a mouthful, it's why it doesn't translate well. It is. The best I can say is, they looked at each other and said, was not our heart being continually ignited all the while he was speaking to us and explaining the scriptures to us? Was not our hope being rekindled and reflamed and being ignited again while he taught us those things? We should have known it was him. That's what they're saying to each other because all the while he was teaching us, that's what was happening inside. They talked back and forth not about seeing Jesus, but what it was like to understand the scriptures. Bit by bit, those scriptures about Jesus reignited their lost hope and fueled the flames back into an inferno. How do you and I find hope again after we've experienced the pain of disappointment or loss? It will never come from improving your circumstances. Never. That flame will only be ignited by understanding two things, that Jesus is alive and well and that his word is true. Those are the only two things that can rekindle hope and, and get you to move forward again. I want to look at Proverbs thirteen twelve real quick. And I read the first part that hope deferred makes the heart sick. You know, hope postponed brings about grief. That's a normal human response when you experience the pain uh, of disappointment or loss. But the end of it says this, but when the desire comes, it is a tree of life. The word their desire means the longing of your heart. When the longing of your heart comes, what your heart really needs, what your heart really desires, well then, it's a tree of life. That's a weird thing to say. What's the tree of life? The tree of life is mentioned in two bookend places in Scripture besides Proverbs. It's mentioned in Genesis. The tree of life there in Genesis, and then it's mentioned in Revelation in the New Jerusalem, the Garden of Eden and the New Jerusalem. Now, Genesis states that it was in the Garden of Eden to grant mankind eternal life. But the job of the tree of life in eternity changes. It is said to be there for the healing from all the pain and the lies that sin brought to the world, the healing of the nations. That's what it's said to be there for. So it changes functions. It changes purposes. What lies do we find in the world that caused the pain of loss to continue. Turn to 1 John chapter 2, verses 15 through 17. John the Beloved says, Love not the world, neither the things that are in the world. If any man love the world, the love of the Father is not in him. They're two opposite things. For all that is in the world, now it tells us three things, three lies that the world offers us. The lust of the flesh, the lust of the eyes, and the pride of life. That's not from the Father, but it's from the world. And that world is passing away. Those things, will, they'll all die. They will not bring life. And the desires are of, they're all gonna die out too. But he that does the will of God abides forever. The lust of the eye, lust of the flesh, the pride of life. 
We try to replace that pain or fill that pain or, or, or assuage that pain by looking for what we want, trying to fulfill our desires, seeing things and, and going for that, going for the shiny thing or the pride of life, looking for appreciation from others, looking for others to fill that void. Those are all lies, all lies. And they will never, ever assuage and heal that pain. If you're gonna find hope again, you cannot look in those three places. Which brings us to a really cool reference in Proverbs chapter 3, which we read in our scripture reading. I'm going to read a very short, a much shorter section, but I want you to see something in particular that I think is mind blowing. Proverbs 3 13 through 18. Happy is the man that finds wisdom and the man that gets understanding. Now, the Bible says the fear of the Lord is, is the beginning of wisdom, and the fear of the Lord is to hate evil. So, wisdom is God's way of doing things, loving what God loves, hating what God hates. Okay, So happy is the man that finds that. God's way of doing things and you love it and, and, and you go for that. For the merchandise of it is better than the merchandise of silver, the lust of the eye. Better than the, the gain thereof than fine gold. She's more precious than rubies. And all the things that you can desire are not to be compared unto her. Length of days is in her right hand and her left hand riches and honor. Her ways are ways of pleasantness and all her paths are peace. She is a what? That's an interesting thing to put there. She is a tree of life to them that lay hold upon her. And what is everyone that retains her? Happy. If you've been hurt or experienced loss or great disappointment, listen, full healing won't take place till you get to heaven. I get that. But the truth of God's word learning to love what he loves, letting him and his ways be your desire, the longing of your heart, is how you find hope again. It's how it reignites and rekindles hope in your heart again, a hope that lasts. This has been In the Word with Pastor Will, a ministry of Calvary Chapel, Orlando. You can listen to all of Pastor Will's sermons and find other valuable resources online at www.calvarychapelorlando.com or on the Calvary Chapel Orlando app, available on iTunes and Google Play. Thank you for joining us today. We will see you next time as we continue to learn, walk, and live in the Word. Three-star general Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. The explosive new documentary, Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. With in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never-before-seen personal record to the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn. Deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com. salemnow.com.